misfortune. The island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea. This journal is the key to finding the lost continent of Atlantis. They came from around the world, an elite team of explorers. Make us cry, boy! In search of the greatest mystery ever known. Atlantis is waiting, waiting. A boy. This is for real. Searching for a lost world. Welcome to the city of Atlantis. A girl. My name is Kiragakash. Hey, you got a nickname? Longing for a new beginning. I have some questions for you, and you are not leaving this city until they are answered. Yeah, well, I... Okay. Together, they'll unlock the mystery of Atlantis. You can understand this? Yes, yes, I can read Atlantean. Show me. It looks like some sort of vehicle. I wonder how fast it goes. <laughs> Swim. Oh, I swim pretty girl. Pr pretty good. Pretty good. Follow me. This is amazing. It's the heart of Atlantis. Now things are getting good. I'm so excited. Yeah, you got that right. Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Now available on video and Disney DVD. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. We're going to be talking about something very, very special tonight, of course, last week... We got into some underrated Disney classics, or at least what we've deemed to be underrated. We will decide, and we'll let you guys decide what exactly that means and, and if these movies are deserving of that. But uh, we got number two tonight, the second film in this new little arc, and it's Atlantis, The Lost Empire. This one is just turned 19 years old. Pretty crazy. And uh, we're going to be talking about it, and we even have a special guest. It's going to be great. But before we get into that, of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me is my good friend and fellow co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what's going on with you? Dude, I am having a really, really good end of the week, let me tell you. Uh, uh, I've got a road trip planned for tomorrow afternoon Ooh. and before that i'm going to see some dinosaurs at the fairgrounds and right now i'm hanging out with you know all my podcasting dudes online and i'm hanging out with one of my best buds in person like i finished work at like 3 30 today and the weekend got started a little bit early and it's turning out to be a hell of a weekend 
and I'm really excited, and I'm happy to be here, and like you said, we're talking about a movie that's 19 years old, but I literally just got done watching it 20 minutes ago, and there are some pieces of it that feel 19 years old and some pieces of it that feel almost timeless, so I'm excited to talk about that tonight. Absolutely. <clears throat> and help if Was I that a talk. burp? You just tried to mask a burp by saying <laughs> No, absolutely. there was just something like caught in my throat. It was like, what? Okay, this is not good podcasting voice. <laughs> Start sounding like that woman in the, in the movie. <laughs> We're all going to die. Um, so uh, the other voice you hear laughing in the background is my other co-host, Mr. Jake Damon. What's up with you, man? What's up, dudes? Uh, I'm I'm just kind of mentally preparing myself to be on the same Skype call with Mondo, um, which should prove to be interesting. Now he's he's a great guy. I'm glad to be uh, talking. Oh, uh, sorry, maybe I shouldn't have given it away who it was, who's our too special late. guest. But it's too late. Uh, Oopsie, Mondo's this here. Be, this could be edited out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because it's one of my favorite childhood movies. I learned a lot about this movie, uh, from trivia on IMDb, stuff I didn't know. And I don't know if I can remember all of it, but there's a few things I'd love to talk about. And, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, uh I don't know, a little bit nervous here because on, uh, on the, list for things we're talking about tonight we got to pick a a worst moment and a best moment and i don't know if i can think of a worst moment and i think the best moments the whole movie so i'm copping out um but uh we'll talk about that later love you here well very very interesting and as you mentioned jake um there's someone else here with us and actually zach if you would like to introduce our good friend um he's actually in the room with you he is, and I was. I'm, I'm trying out my new XLR headset, and he b- tried to bring the mic back closer to his mouth, and he practically licked it just now. That's the. There's like a whole. Uh, it's the, like, it must be the angle you're at, because I can actually almost put my hand like. Well, the... okay, but it wasn't that close earlier. You had it like a centimeter away from your lips, like that exactly. If you stick out your tongue, you're licking the 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 the, the mouthpiece. That's okay, just... let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't just go around sticking my tongue out for no damn reason. <sighs> Mondo's been here for ten seconds and it's already gotten weird. All right, <laughs> he's always got a good reason to stick his tongue out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> this is my good buddy Mondo. He was on Star Wars Wastelands for several years, and he's been on this podcast before. He was a part of Jedi Pod back in 2017 when we did uh, the last Jedi discussion with a whole host of other people. So uh, he, he's he's been a good friend of mine through podcasting channels for a while. Do you guys remember the 11:38 nightly news? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Mondo and I actually debuted the 11:38 Nightly News together. Wow. The very first episode of the Nightly News was hosted by the two of us, and right. I think that may have been the first podcasting collaboration he and I did together. And the rest is history. It wow. was, and I actually think that was when we discovered we lived in the same. <laughs> I think you're right. Area. I think wow. And I think it was because he shot me. So I got off of work. And he shot me a quick Skype call so we can go over some notes and kind of collaborate a little bit. And I'm like, man, do I want to just take Beltline home or do I want to hop on 121? How do I want to do this? And Zach was like, 
where are you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm right outside of Dallas. And he's like, well, slap me silly. So <laughs> slap me silly. Yeah. That's something that he says. That's not something that I say. I'm, I was trying to, I, I, well, no, but what I would say is stick a baster in me because I'm done. Texans, am I right? Oh. Jeez. Some people want you to stick a baster in them. Okay, well, fine. Jake. That's not how the basters work. Um, but... I don't even know why we're having this conversation. Welcome to RIPC. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because this is about as close to an R-rated discussion as we're ever going to get on this podcast. However, if you're actually looking for some R-rated content, I am very happy to announce that thanks to our buddy Sean over at Fandom Empire, we have had the opportunity to revive the R-I-P-C podcast. Nice. It's been on extended hiatus due to scheduling difficulties and other complications for the last couple of years. And Sean reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and was like, I just want to bring it back and we can use my platform, my network, some of my social media connections. I just need you to host it. I need the content for us to talk about that kind of thing. And, you know, he was just very all in. And so I think yesterday or the day before that, we actually recorded a hour long discussion on The Dark Knight because nice. it's one of our one of our favorite movies and it's got some really effed up moments in it. And we actually used the F word several times in that podcast. <laughs> wow. And so if you're looking for more IPC discussions, you can check them out over at Fandom Empire now on social media and we'll be publishing the uh, episodes on their website, I believe, at fandomempire.net. So, um, yeah, that is a thing. RIPC is back, and we may end up discussing movies like Velocipaster, or we may end up talking about, you know, some R-rated movies that maybe we wouldn't get to talk about here on IPC. R-rated and TVMA-rated stuff doesn't get talked about a whole lot on this podcast, but that's pretty much going to be a majority of what we talk about over there. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yes, indeed it will. I can't even – maybe I'll throw a little cameo over there. Maybe I'll do a little cursing too because I can do that occasionally. I have yeah, been known to okay. use the F-bomb at least once okay. in my life. Okay, okay. I'm going to call you out on that for one second though because the only time I have ever heard you use the F-word is when we're playing Cards Against Humanity and you're obligated because you're the judge and the card has the F-word on it. Yeah, well, the only way you're going to get me to say the F I'm on air is if you do Cards Against Humanity on air. <laughs> I was I was beholden to the cards. I will I will do no such party tricks for gotta, for, for random you, things. I got to tell you guys, there is nothing quite like playing Cards Against Humanity with Ben Hart. <laughs> because once we discovered that he felt beholden to you know, say the words that were on the cards. We were always picking our worst cards and submit <laughs> them to him when he was the judge. Yeah. And it didn't matter what the prompt was. We were just giving him our worst cards so that we could hear him say things like big old titties. <laughs> it happened. It happened. It was, it was it glorious. Was, it was one of the most. And I had to, I had to make the decision. I'm like, okay, I'm going all in on this. Like there's no turning back. At a point you have to go all in. 
Like, you can't just, you can't half-ass something like that. Exactly. No. Exactly. You got a whole-ass Cards Against Humanity. Well, it's like, uh, it's like what uh, the great Ron Swanson once said. Never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Whole-ass one thing. <laughs> what a great quote. Speaking uh, of man. which, we have... It actually is Ron Swanson's birthday today. Really? What? Nick Offerman turned 50 today, and Aubrey Plaza turned 36. Wow. wow. Big 5-0. The big 5-0. He doesn't look a day over 40, though. My God, that man is ageless. He's whole-assing life right now. Yes, he is. He absolutely is. <laughs> so, that there's our there's our segue. End of discussion. And we have a whole-ass movie to talk about, is it, what I was going to say. That is true. That is true. And uh, it, it's it's funny. The, this series is underrated Disney movies. And when we talk to people about what should be things that we discuss from the underrated Disney cycle... My sister was one of the first to speak up and say Great Mouse Detective, and that's the one that we discussed last week. Great movie. Great, great movie. And uh, one of my personal favorites is The Emperor's New Groove, which I feel is entirely underrated. But then there are some others that kind of fly under the radar. And I feel like this is one of those ones that flies under the radar a little bit. But based on what Mondo and I literally just got done watching, I feel like this movie might actually be closer to being accurately rated than any of the others that we've got on tap to discuss. And I'll explain why the deeper we get into this discussion. Yeah, okay. So who had not seen this one before besides me? I'd seen it, but like only twice previously, like not not very often. Mondo, had you seen it? I'd seen it once way back when it came out. When we purchased it on Disney DVD that we played in our PlayStation 2 entertainment system. <laughs> Coming soon to own on video and DVD. Oh my there you God. go! When the Disney movies used to come in the white boxes. The and white... now our feature presentation. Oh my gosh, I remember those. Man, oh man, the nostalgia. And I had seen this many, many, many times. This is one of the ones I probably watched the most as a kid. Really? See, okay, as I said, never seen this one before, but I vividly remember the marketing for this movie. I was nine years old when this movie first came out. So I remember it. I remember when it came out. I remember the Happy Meal toys that were out for yep. this movie. I remember the promotion. I remember the TV commercials. I remember the trailers. The toys, th this thing was huge back in the day, and, you know, it was that thing. It was like, holy crap, like, you know, and, and being, you know, a kid that was well into Star Wars and Disney and all this kind of stuff, like, it immediately caught my eye. Never got around to actually watching it because just for some reason I just didn't go to the theater when I was younger. But this was one that, like, I was very much looking forward to because, like, I've heard about it literally all my life but had never seen it. And then hearing you guys talk about it was really interesting. It was. Um, and, man, let me let me tell you, Mondo's a loud drinker. <laughs> <laughs> the ice, like, it was, like, stuck together. 
And then as I was drinking, it broke apart in the cup. And I was right in front of the microphone. And I was like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Don't you just love it when you've got, there's a little bit of like a drink left in the bottom of the cup and it's like half full of ice and you're trying to get it out and then the ice is clumping together and then it falls down and it attacks your face. You know, when you're trying to Welcome get to it. Welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Nature Channel. Listen as the Wild Mondo drinks. This is not turning into an ASMR oh, podcast, guys, I promise guys, you. Be quiet. be quiet. The Wild Mondo was taking a drink. <laughs> They're going to say piss. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. A nearby uh, Zach backs away in disgust. <laughs> Oh god! I'm, I'm just gonna turn to beer because there's no ice in this. And there's no, yeah, exactly. That's why I offered you the option ice or no ice. I was hoping you would pick up on the clue. No ice. Okay, you know I'm a bit of an idiot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were trying to hint at my water's kind of warm. You might need some ice. No, <laughs> that's why I emphasized the word no when I said no ice. You should have said, was... would you like no ice or no ice? I should have. That, that so, see, that's where I'm the idiot. So here's the thing: you literally have to spell things out for me sometimes. You sound like Chris, Chris Trager. Trager? <laughs> you literally have to spell things out for me. My body is literally a microchip. <laughs> One grain of sand. <laughs> and the entire system is compromised. That's basically what's in your beer, isn't it? One grain of sand. <laughs> Uh, we we do have the Sierra Dust thing that's going around. That's true. That's a Hera Dust Bowl that's coming in. That's going to make tomorrow even more fun. We're driving through looking at a bunch of animatronic dinosaurs and a dust storm rolls in. Oh, my God. It's going to be Jurassic Park come to life. I actually saw some of it coming in as I was driving over here after work. Well. It was super cool. That'll that'll be interesting. It was. On the topic of drinks and on the topic of water and ice and all that other stuff, the movie we're supposed to be talking about tonight is water-related. For those of you that maybe haven't caught on yet, we're talking about 2001's Atlantis The Lost Empire. There you go. We finally segued our way into what we're supposed to actually talk about tonight. It came out in 01, and it stars uh, Michael J. Fox as Milo, and you've also got John Mahoney uh, as Preston Whitmore. You got uh, Phil Morris in this movie. You got Leonard Nimoy in this movie. James Garner, Corey Burton... And who was it that you were really excited about? Jim Varney yeah. has a has a guest appearance yeah. in this. Kree Summers in this movie. David Ogden Steers makes a cameo in this movie. Like, this is a pretty solid cast of characters. But the thing that Mondo and I discussed, guys, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, is this idea that all of these types of of actors and actresses that you get on this are really not the type of things that kids are going to be interested in watching. You know, you hear that Michael J. Fox is going to be in this movie, but Back to the Future came out in like the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. And this movie came out in 2001, so we're about two decades removed from Back to the Future. So the only people that are going to be interested in hearing Michael J. Fox on this movie are going to be adults. And I think that's true for a lot of the cast members on this. The people that are going to be most interested in this cast list are going to be the parents, not the kids. Well, I think what's interesting about – did I just cut in on somebody you were asking a question to? I'm sorry. No, I was I was actually pitching it to, to you guys because uh, Mondo and I talked about this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I mean, Jake, uh, John Mahoney is from Frasier. 
obviously. Oh, yeah. Leonard Nimoy is from Star Trek. Um, Michael J. Fox is from Back to the Future. You know, a lot of these – David Ogden Steers, he, he plays Mr. Harcourt, the guy who turns Milo down at the university. David Ogden Steers is from M.A.S.H. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of really well-known actors and actresses in this movie, but they're all from franchises that are several years removed from the time frame of this movie. So it just feels like the kids aren't going to be as interested in this cast list because – they don't know where the hell these people are from. Yeah. I also want to point something out that I uh, totally forgot about until I just looked it up to verify. This was Jim Varney's last released film because I he read that. Thousand. Oh, wow. Yep. So this was actually released after he died. And I actually, if memory serves me right, I think at the end of this film, Somewhere in the credits that actually said dedicated to Jim Varney. Oh, see, I, I, I stopped the movie like as soon as it cut to the credits because we were running behind. So yeah. I didn't <laughs> see any of the end credits stuff. But I did read on the on the trivia that there's actually one line in the movie that isn't recorded by Varney because he had passed away before they realized they needed that line or they realized they needed it re-recorded or something. Wow. So there's one, there's one line in the film that actually isn't Varney's that goes with the character Cookie, but everything else is his. And it, it's interesting that that's how people's careers finish, because that, that's something that happened with uh, another actor with the movie The Rescuers. Um, I can't remember what his name was, but did any of you guys watch the TV show McHale's Navy? I uh, heard of it. Yeah, it's, me too. It's a, it's a good series. It's a really good series. If you want to get like a timepiece on the war on the Pacific, but in a comedic fashion... Mikhail's Navy is a good show, and one of the main characters from Mikhail's Navy voiced like a minion or a sidekick in The Rescuers and actually passed away before The Rescuers was released. And so this is this is something that happens with people who are like established actors. They go into the into the into the voice acting world and sometimes their legacy lives on in a movie that gets published after they pass away well and mm-hmm. to, to kind of put this into perspective right so jim varney you know he passed away in 2000 okay so this movie came out in mid 2001 so they they had recorded his stuff in yeah. 2000 and then they were in post-production on this film for over a year. So he died in February of 2000. Okay. So there's actually a possibility that some of this stuff may have been recorded in the year 99, depending on when they started that production. Because, I mean, he died February 10th of 2000, according to some online sources. According to IMDb. Yeah. I we, think there's one line in the movie. Sorry to cut you off. Zach. There's one line in the movie where he he actually didn't voice it with somebody else. I just said that like two oh, minutes ago. Did you? I'm sorry. Jake, do you do you even listen to me when I'm talking? Uh, no, apparently not. You just you just tune me out, man. I'm really feeling the podcasts are for talking, not for listening. I right? am not on my game tonight. I'm so that sorry. Is, that, yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, it says that he died just before finishing the film, and he said the "I ain't so good at speechifying" line near the end is the only line that's not spoken by Varney. Stephen Barr did the voice for that particular scene. Hmm. I wonder who, who took over for him in Toy Story, because uh, famously, for those who don't know, he, he like if you watch this movie and you listen to it, like you know, oh my God, it's Slinky Dog. <laughs> like, it, it's it's yeah, the that, same that's voice. 
that's that's the funny thing. I was looking at the cast list and I clicked on Varney's profile and showed him for the for the Toy Story movies. And then what was it that you recognized Varney for, Mondo? It was Ernest. Ernest. See, I didn't watch the Ernest movies as a kid. Neither did I. I didn't recognize Neither him as Ernest. I only recognized him as Slinky Dog. It's funny what kind of a legacy that guy lives. It it is, and that I think that's really cool. And but you know, to your point, I mean, if like even if he did record those lines, let's say in January of two thousand, right? Like right before he died. Yeah. This movie came out a whole sixteen months after. Yeah. Or eighteen months after. That's as a testament to how much work gets put into a film. After you've done the recording, mm-hmm. got the script and you've got the voice actors that come in and do the thing. And then the animators take over a year to apply all of those sounds and effects and lines and stuff and put them into an animated feature film. Yeah. And as I was mentioning, um, a guy named Blake Clark actually provided the voice of Slinky in Toy Story 3 and in presumably 4 too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, of course, I mean, he was long, he was long passed away by the time three and four came out. So right. they had replaced him by then. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So I have always said that Blake Clark and Jim Varney sounded exactly alike. Blake Clark had a role on Boy Meets World. Oh, interesting. interesting. Uh... Yes. And they always have sounded a lot alike. Well, there you go. Wow. How- fascinating see I apparently you're the only one to figure that one out ah <laughs> uh, i have seen that face before yep i okay yeah see that's the cool thing about podcasting in the same room you send like each other pictures and stuff <laughs> on your phone and you're seeing exactly what's going on see this is what this is why we need like an ipc in person episode because heck yeah believe it or not i have never seen jake damon's face in person before what that's true, actually. Yeah, I thought maybe we had met once, but we definitely have not. It's no. funny. I've met all of you, but separately. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. I, I never made it to California when Jake was living out there, and I never made it to any of the celebrations that Jake was at. So oh, no. uh, we our, our paths have never crossed except on the interwebs. So. Well, 2022 is coming up. I'm just hey, saying. Lights are cheap as hell right now. What are you talking about? Like, hey. You could flap your arms and fly Spirit for ten bucks. <laughs> That's if you want to get on Spirit right now. I'm and, just saying. And you know, I mentioned my my car. I actually last so I filled it up today. You're saying you last a long time? I do. <laughs> uh, I keep on going and going. Okay, stop. <laughs> um, I uh, I last filled it up last time I came over here a month ago. Jeez. Wow. Fill up again this morning. Jeez, man. Wow. So Okay, so uh, Atlantis. Mondo's driving the next road trip for when IPC gets together. But <laughs> let let's talk about Atlantis some more. Initial thoughts and impressions are always really fun, especially when having seen it for the first time. Ben, what did you make of this movie? Okay, so I hope you guys don't hate me over this. I liked it. I liked this movie. I did not love it. And maybe, you know, obviously I'm coming at this without nostalgia, without anything. I'm just seeing it for the first time raw. 
And, you know, it's, 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 it's a completely new thing to me. And I had certain expectations and some of those were kind of blown out of the water. For example, and we'll get into spoilers for a 19 year old movie here. Like, you know, I thought the big sub was like amazing. Like that was one thing that I had stuck in my head. Like, holy crap, Mm -hmm. this is awesome. And then you get into it like, and you actually are in the movie and it's like, oh, this is awesome. And then they freaking blew it up. Yep. And I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. I'm like, wow, okay, they're they're going there doing that. So that was interesting. Maybe a little bit of disappointment, but I, I accepted it for what it is and just kind of kept going. Um, it's a different kind of Disney movie, I think. And, and going back to what your point you had earlier about, like, how it might not as appeal as much to kids is the fact that this movie has no music in it, it has no no musical element to it. It's very true. you know it's very kind of dark and more grounded. It's not whack it doesn't have wacky talking animals or anything like that. And hey, I watched a hey, little Hey, hey, it's got a mole in it, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. He said wacky, you said, said mole, wacky mole. Yeah, boy. Unbelievable. Jake, I think we just need to kick them both off the call and yeah. do this ourselves. <laughs> oh, God. But I was watching a, a thing prior to this while I was waiting on you guys to get on. I had some time to do some research, so thank you for that. Um, I, I learned that like this movie was made specifically in contrarianism to other movies that had come at the same time well, that they was, were... It was, like, it was, like, intentionally made to contrast other stuff. Right, because I think this came out around the same time as Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think that movie's pretty well regarded, but also copped a lot of backlash. I think they were still trying to recreate the magic of, like, Aladdin and some of the Golden Age stuff, and it wasn't yeah. totally flying. And I think they were just like, okay, we're just going to make an action movie that's animated. And that's what this movie is. And I like that about it. I like, I appreciate the fact that what, like, one of my favorite Disney movies of all time, if not one of my favorite movies of all time, is The Incredibles. And mm-hmm. the strength of that movie is the fact that, yes, it's cartoony, it's goofy, mm-hmm. but it's still grounded. And it feels like a really, really good action movie just that's just animated. That's just in this really fantastical style. I like that a lot. I like when Disney goes out on a limb and say, we're not going to do this whole stereotypical, hey, it's a, you know, a sing and dance along the whole time thing. Like, you know, we had with, you know, yeah, the the Great Mouse Detective, great movie. It's got music in it. It's great. It's a classic, quote unquote, Disney movie, but it's more stereotypical for what you would expect a Disney movie to be. Atlantis is not that, and I think that's a strength to it. I think that's the fact that it is telling this really emotional, grounded story with a lot of great performances, some just stunning animation. I mean, literally, this movie looks so good. So many great moments, so many just great visual cues in here that are amazing. And just, I mean, it's it's a fun ride. It's a fun thrill ride. And it, it goes all over the place. You're expecting it to be in a sub. Then they go underground. And then the movie ends when they're on a freaking air balloon in a volcano. Holy crap. So, like I said, I have a few issues. It's not a perfect movie. I didn't love it. Maybe I need to watch it a few more times to get that really, you know, jiving with it. But I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. So, I'm going to actually kind of counter-argue some of your points. Uh-oh. Okay, come at me, bro. Come at Uh-oh. me. It's gonna get real. So, you know, some of those things that I think that you said about being contrarian to what other Disney movies are is what actually kind of hurts this movie. Because 
you know, if you really look at what this movie is, we're watching it today as an, as adults, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, three adults and a kid, me being the kid. But <laughs> that is true. That's right, young man. Thank you. Go to your room. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're grounded for a week for saying the D word. <laughs> Okay, so what I was what what I was saying is you know you're right it doesn't ha- doesn't have the musical performances it doesn't have that it has some comedy here it has some slapstick comedy again a lot of it I don't really think is stuff that kids are gonna really get and really find entertaining this movie at least from my perspective didn't have a whole lot that the younger audience would really gravitate to. Like, yeah, it had action and it had stuff, which is fun, but it didn't have... Oh, stuff is always fun. Stuff is fun. I love stuff. (laughs) And things. I love things as well. I love when stuff is warm. I love when stuff is... Is big. Is big. Don't finish that sentence. Do not. Do not. (laughs) I will end this call right now. (laughs) As curious as I am to see where this is going. (laughs) My curiosity has peaked. I was just going to say tasty. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. I'm thinking of like jello. I'm thinking of like that stuff. Oh, I was thinking like a jumbo pretzel you get at a baseball game. No, uh, we had that at the movie theater that one time. The oh, Bavarian the legend. Bavarian legend. Yes. You could have bludgeoned a smurf to death with that thing. Yes, you could have. <laughs> I, I was thinking of that stuff that you see called like the pink stuff or pink fluff or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like. You mean cotton candy? Well, no. It's like the gelatin. <laughs> name for that. The. Um, it's like little gelatin squares with like gelatin. powdered gelatin in it, and like where do you where do you get this from? Mainly in old people places, like a nursing home. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking, what is happening? Or like mainly in like stores that are frequented by older people in like older neighborhoods. Oh, like Albertsons. Yes. Okay. Like in their deli, sometimes you'll see it, and it just kind of it's like coagulated. It's really good. Okay. Oh, yeah, Albert's. I know exactly. That, that, that's, okay. That's some good stuff right there. Let's, so, let's talk about the stuff that's in this movie. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and so I feel like there's really not a whole lot that would pique a lot of kids' interest when you really think about it. It's true. You know, like think about, you know, when Zach and I watched this movie, there were several times that we got callbacks to Tarzan. Yep. And. Mm. One of the things that made Tarzan such a very successful film, Phil Collins, was Phil Collins. Hell yeah, he is he he is just Heck a, yes, it's just a treasure on he's just on this planet. Hey, um, I've heard people complain about that soundtrack, and I almost want to just how dare they about the Tarzan soundtrack about the Tarzan soundtrack. Okay, I would complain about this soundtrack, but I would never complain about the Tarzan soundtrack. What you would complain about this soundtrack? Name one song off this soundtrack. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's bad, but I, 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 see, I see what you doesn't have like it's got a it's got a score, but it doesn't have a soundtrack. Or yeah, a soundtrack. Exactly. That's what I it's got some good themes. It's got some good themes. If if you're little Timmy and you're eight years old and you're like, I want to go see a fun animated film, are you going to be sitting there thinking this and 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 being um, engaged with it? You yeah. know, Zach and I talked about this movie this movie had a lot of things had a lot of biblical references and it had a lot of like 
you know, what was mythological references Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, yes, if you're a fan of stuff like Indiana Jones and if you're a fan of Star Wars and stuff like that, you might find enjoyment out of this. Uh, But, well, as a kid, but let me tell you something. I looked this up while we were watching this movie. You know what movie this movie debuted next to in the movie theater? No. The original Fast and the Furious. Whoa. They opened the exact same weekend. That's insane. It was also the same weekend as the Anna Jolie Tomb Raider Raider film. Hmm. Very interesting. So no you, wonder if, this movie bombed. If you're if you're gonna go to the theater, are you gonna go watch a bunch of cars and explosions, or are you gonna go watch a movie that's based on a video game, or are you gonna go watch Atlantis? Atlantis. I, well, and, and to Mondo's point, I think this movie is the in in contrarian to those movies is the, oh, this is the family movie. This is the movie you take your kids to. And and as Mondo pointed out, like, what's in this for kids other than it's animated? And it's a good movie, but it's not... And I'm not I'm not necessarily using that as a a thing to criticize about this movie. I think pandering to kids is is maybe not the best thing to do all the time, but this is a Disney movie, and there's there's certain things that people expect from it from a disney movie and from this era of disney movies when you've got all these you know aladdin and all they've got the wacky sidekicks for the villains and all this kind of stuff and there's none of that in this movie it's very grounded it's very just like okay we're we're doing this and we're just gonna make this movie and we're not putting anything in it that's going to directly like just for kids it's just a movie i guess i never really thought about whether it appealed to kids or not because i was always very much into it like i you know i i was always into indiana jones like you were saying mondo and star wars but like i watching this again really drew a lot of similarities from indiana jones to this like just going on an adventure going on an exploration of something and then having there be this discovery and and just the touches of humor here and there and i i don't know why it really appeal like why when i was a kid why was i so into it well when i was a kid i loved indiana jones i loved star wars and i love stuff like this something else too like and i brought this up to zach when i watched this film about an hour and a half ago i kept finding myself questioning what would the in-theater experience had been for this film? Could I have seen myself sitting in a movie theater watching this film? And I kept saying no. And I'll be honest with you. There were times during this film I was finding – I was starting to find myself looked down on my phone. No. More than I was looking (laughs) at. I think I did too a couple times. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a perfect movie. But that's my opinion. I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and say that you're perfectly wrong. <laughs> but I think this is a perfect movie. So one of my another big problem that I had with this movie was there's really no sense of danger throughout any of the movie until you get toward the end. What? What about like, the Leviathan? But, but okay, like you have that, but that's just a part in the movie. 
I don't really <laughs> there's really no villain throughout the movie that's really like a menacing force as they're going through everything. I will say the the middle of this movie drags a bit. I think I kind of checked out mentally just a bit when they're like, "Oh, we're in a cave," uh, and then we're in another cave, and then we're in another cave. <laughs> it oh, just kind of goes on. And oh, like, oh, oh. The, like that was when I was like, "Okay, this is getting a bit old." And at like, I guess it was like maybe if I went back and watched it and and I knew that was coming, I would be willing to accept it more. But like, I'm expecting like, "Oh, we're gonna be in a sub or going underwater and doing all this crazy stuff," and we're just in a cave. <laughs> I didn't expect that, so I guess maybe that kind of colored my my expectations, but well, I don't know. I, I think one of the things, so the movie starts off, I don't want to say slow, but it's, I mean, it starts off at a normal pace where you're getting to learn Milo, and you're learning about his goal, and you're learning about him, right, what he's trying to do. Then they go forth on this expedition, and they have this huge crew of people. Then almost immediately, okay, Everybody dies except for <laughs> ten people. I noticed that. So yeah, they like, make a nice little tribute with a candle. So you have like this big moment right off the right off the start, where it's this big actiony moment, right? But to my point, so I just felt like oh, I see what you're talking. They 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 like they weren't ever being chased by somebody. There was never any real like after that moment. There was really no aside from survival, right? But they just they, there was really no. I mean, yeah, you had the fireflies when they came down and they set their entire camp on fire and they kind of scurried away. But you never really. I never felt like there was like a huge menacing threat like chasing after them, especially once they got to Atlantis. Like, once they got to Atlantis, like, th there was really nothing else chasing them. They weren't, like, trying to discover it before somebody else. They weren't trying to do anything, you know, any of those, th that stuff, okay? Like, it, you really didn't have that menacing character until James Garner turned on everybody. Right, I mean, and, and that's the whole thing, is, like, there is no, there's no antagonist until you get you know halfway through the Atlanta stuff because you realized oh the good guys are the antagonists and it's a you know, cool it, twist it is a cool twist I will give you that it, it is a cool twist and I, I didn't I don't know if I totally saw it coming I think you know obviously the whole oh adventures just in it for the money that's it's it's a trope that's happened in yeah. a lot of movies but it's done pretty well here and James Garner, which I didn't even realize until a few months ago that was James Garner. He's great in this. Like, oh, that yeah. character is voice. pretty brutal. Like, he's yeah. straight up. He's not goofy. He's not mustache twirling. He's just like, okay, this is the way things have got to be done. I'm I'm making bank on this, and who cares? Barely so, bats an eyelash. There were a couple of points where I felt like the artistic style of his character actually was reminiscent of James Garner. Yes, I've always thought that. Yeah, looking back, if you watch the movie with him in mind, you're like, oh, wow. Like, that. there's mm -hmm. some definitely James Garner. And I think, classically speaking, I'm pretty sure that they will record the actors doing it, and they'll kind of match their mannerisms to the animation. I think that's yep. kind of a process that they go through, so I could totally see them doing that. They did um, that with Robin Williams and the genie. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's a classic example. So like 
you know, the, he's great. I think his the, the woman that I'm blanking on her name, like she's like I like her whole thing, and the fact that she gets betrayed in the end is yeah. uh, is Nothing pretty poetic, personal. But uh, and then he turns into a giant crystal monster dude, and and there's a hot air balloon. Like it's it's ridiculous, but it also it's very it's very real. It's very you know, and I I like the whole turn with the characters. I love that you kind of get some time with these characters over the course of this movie in the cave systems, and you're just with them, and you get to learn about them and their whole characteristics. And yeah, they're a bit stereotypical, but they're still like really genuine characters, and some of them have real reasons for wanting to do this, for for, for needing money for something, and I like their whole characteristics, and their turn is great. And them making that choice in the end to go, nah, we're not into this. As uh, what's his name is like, we've done bad stuff before, but nobody got hurt. Well, I mean, maybe some people got hurt, but you know, nobody. We, we didn't know them. <laughs> You're right, and you know, you brought up a good point. I thought they re- one thing I felt like they really did a good part about this is they kind of gave a really good backstory to a majority of the characters in that crew. Yeah. yeah. That really kind of brought some sort of emotion to them. Again, I I stand by what I said when I say I don't necessarily know if that is. I I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I think this movie misses the mark. Uh, <laughs> what, what they were trying to. <laughs> what they were trying to say or what they were trying to do. And Ben even brought this up earlier. He remembers the marketing. He remembers the toys, the commercials, the Happy Meal toys, all of those things. So somebody call me a paramedic. <laughs> I'll I'll send them to work wherever you're at. Um, so that being said, okay. That being said, again, it it's quite obvious that this was a movie that was intended and that was their target audience. If they hadn't have done those things, if there wasn't a massive toy line of it, if there wasn't a massive, you know, push with kids meals and happy meals, and if they didn't market the crap out of it on the Disney channel and things like that, you can make the claim. This was an animated film, but it wasn't necessarily directed toward children. It was just a film that happened to have been done in the art style of animation because that's how the creator and that's how you know, that's how they wanted to do it. But I feel like when you do kind of put those things together, this was a kid's movie or it was supposed to be a kid's movie, completely missed the mark. Didn't have the, didn't have the music, didn't really have the stuff that really kept children engaged Ben and I both said even as adults we found parts of this movie that we were like oh boy (laughs) how much time we got left in this dang thing Um, but I think Uh, you're you're killing you're killing Jake you do realize this is hurting my soul well just slap a band-aid on it you'll be okay (laughs) Uh, you know what just go get a double quarter pounder with cheese or get a McFlurry or something. It'll patch it right up, okay? Um, but I also feel like to to an extent, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is also the, the hidden meanings behind things, which 
I feel like could also turn people off, you know, when they start bringing up biblical references and things about mythology and stuff like that. You know, people that are very strict in religious thinking and very strict in certain beliefs, they can turn they could be turned away from this film. I mean, heck, look what happened with Harry Potter around the same time, and people were ripping that apart because it was witchcraft and stuff like that. (laughs) Satanic panic. Not not saying that that's what happened with this film, but I'm saying I can see some parents maybe seeing that being, nah, we're we're not going to go see this one. I, look, here, I haven't, I don't remember any of the trailers specifically, but I can imagine the trailers setting this up as, oh, it's the next goofy, funny Disney movie. You know and, what? I vaguely remember them. I don't remember them directly, but I do vaguely remember that the trailers made this set up to be like it was supposed to be like some sort of mystical journey some yeah big, big grandest journey yeah that's what yeah. kind of what it seemed like i remember some like one trailer in particular and it kind of started off with that quote by plato and showed showed people trying to you know run from the destruction of atlantis and stuff and i i remember thinking this looks really cool and like i don't know it worked on me that i think that's more that's more in line with what the movie actually is if that was what the marketing was then yeah they did it right but they also did it wrong apparently because this movie just didn't make a whole lot of money apparently and it didn't do very well at the box office and i think i don't know it's hard to say. I mean, and you're going back to early 2000s, coming out of the 80s and 90s, that that really golden age, and people having certain expectations for Disney movies. And I don't know. I, I would be interested to like study this and see like what exactly happened, what were people's expectations, because expectations are everything. You know, yeah. even though it's a new franchise, it's still part of something that people are familiar with, and they have certain things to expect. And I had expectations for this movie. I was expecting certain things that didn't turn out right, and maybe that colored my experience with it. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again, which I probably will, and understanding of what they're trying to do here and what kind of movie it is. Like, this movie was was filmed in proper, like, widescreen aspect ratio, which is something that's, at least back then, was unheard of for animation. And But they were doing it because they wanted a cinematic experience, like a la Indiana Jones or whatever. And they were really trying to hammer home of this was something that was different and much more grounded. And I've said grounded like ten times, but it's true. It, it, this movie is way different from any other Disney movie of that time period. You're absolutely right with that. And, I, you know, something else, too, that I'll even... I even kind of brought up to Zach and Jake. You might want to sit down for this. Oh, no. Oh, Here we go again. Um, you know, this, this movie came out, I believe around that time where Disney decided, Hey, you know what everybody wants? They want 102 Dalmatians. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what else everybody wants? They want a sequel to Lady and the Tramp. Oh, you want to know what else they want? They want all sorts of movies that they'd ever even asked for. <laughs> so what we're going to make them, and we're going to put them straight to DVD. <laughs> Just 
this movie when it's I was watching it almost felt like one of those straight to D. Oh no. Dude. I'm sorry. That hurts me. That that is a bit harsh. I even I, this is not my favorite Disney movie, but that's harsh. You go watch Atlantis Milo's Return and then get back to me on which one seems like a straight to DVD movie. <laughs> just because the other one feels like a straight to DVD movie more. Oh movie. man, oh. I I love that you go on Disney Plus and there is Walt Disney Animation Studios and it's got all the classics: Alice in Wonderland, Tarzan, Frozen, all these ones. And then it has additional animated movies, <laughs> and it's Lion King 2, ones. Aladdin 2, Tarzan 2, Little Mermaid 2. <laughs> that should be under the category movies we're embarrassed about. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp 2, 101 Dalmatians 2. Return Pat- to Neverland. Patches London Adventure. Brother movie. Bear 2, Fox and the Hound 2, What? Movies we're sorry we made. That should not even be called Fox and the Hound 2 because it happens in the middle of the stuff that event, the the events that happen between Fox and the Hound, like when they're kids and when they're adults. That should be Fox and the Hound one and a half because you you did Lion King one and a half. Lest we forget Lion King one and a half. That abomination exists as well. If it happens partway through the movie, they should just call it like the Lion King half. What the hell is the Wild from 2006? Looks oh, like looks okay. like dis, looks like discount okay. Madagascar. That's okay. Disney's response that, to Madagascar. That's literally what it is. It, it's, oh it's my literally gosh. Disney's answer to Madagascar, just like how Ants is DreamWorks' answer to Bugs Life. Yeah. Like the Wild is basically Disney's answer to Madagascar. I have Not never heard this finals. movie, and I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to watch it. No, you're you're gonna have to hear about it because I ended up watching that thing dozens of times thanks to my brother watching it time after time after time. Oh my um, god! He okay. So for those of you who don't know, my brother is on the autism spectrum, and he systematically picks a certain movie to fixate on and watches it dozens of times. So that he can memorize it and then recite it word for word. That's how he plays. He doesn't come up with new adventures and new stories. He recreates stories that he has watched previously and then plays them out with figurines and toys and stuff like that. And so he ended up latching onto the wild at one point, either borrowing it from Blockbuster or the library or something. But he latched onto that movie and watched it over and over and over again. And it's basically this adolescent lion cub that's trying to find his roar, and he ends up on a crate that gets taken to this island that's part of an animal release program, except the animals being released are going to an island that is an active volcano. Oh, my God. And so inside the heart of this volcano is a herd of wildebeests that have this prophetic leader voiced by William Shatner. Oh, my. They got the shat in here. They got got (laughs) shat for this shat show. And they trying to transition this herd of wildebeests from herbivores to carnivores. And the way they do it is by holding this satanic-like ritual in which they try to sacrifice the lion cub so that they may eat him and turn into predators. What the actual? 
Man, he almost said it. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were about to have to bust out the cards against humanities because that's the risk. You're tempting me now. You're tempting me. Also, the dad of this adolescent lion cub is played by Kiefer Sutherland. And the sidekick wildebeest is Patrick Warburton. And uh, Richard Kind plays the voice of a snake. And Jim Belushi voices a squirrel that is trying to hook up with a giraffe. <laughs> yep, I don't want to see this movie. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I actually Not interested. Do. <laughs> it is one of the worst movies I have ever watched. But my brother is so obsessed with it. He can quote it word for word. And thanks to my living with him, I can quote a lot of it as well, unfortunately. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So back to the movie at hand. Back to back to Atlantis. <laughs> that 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 tangent was completely my fault. So I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just I'm just sitting here going, why? Why? <laughs> why does this exist? Why does Milo's Return exist? Why is it even called Milo's Return? Doesn't he? It's not even a good title. It's it's called Milo's Return because he returns to the surface world. Oh, that's bull. It's bad. Okay, another thing about Milo's Return: it's not a movie. It's three episodes of a canceled TV show they stuck together and changed the ending of to mimic the end of a real movie. Whoa. Wow, that's it was, like it was meant to be a TV show, and then it got canned. It is the first three episodes of a TV show they canceled because they got the news that the movie didn't do very well in the theaters, so they decided to cancel it. So they they had money. already started on the sequel, and then they yep. found out that this movie wasn't great, and they just axed it. That is correct. What the heck? Yep, and I, it's very bad. That's what I was actually just telling them. Is I feel like they really so. It, it sounds like Disney was going all in on this movie for 2001. I, I think they were thinking it was going to be their new big thing, like their new big franchise. How? How? They, they don't even have they don't even have anybody famous singing any damn songs. <laughs> I mean, it's not supposed to be a musical, but it's like they I mean, got it. look, look. Let's take a look at the cast really quick. Michael J. Fox yeah. is phenomenal in this movie. I mean, you got to love Michael J. Fox, but like. He's great. I think this is kind of before, right at the beginning of the era of let's get a semi-decent animated movie, or sometimes in the case of like Angry Birds, it's it's crap. And but we're gonna put it, we're gonna fill it up with big names. We're gonna get Dwayne the Rock Johnson and all these people. And this is kind of on the cusp of that, but still, I think a lot of times those kind of actors can. They don't. They don't quite know how to translate their voice into animation. I think sometimes it doesn't totally work. Michael J. Fox nails it. Like I think they oh, yeah. they nailed it with the animation. He's great. He he really he kind of, for lack of a better term, he kind of disappears into the character, and you don't like you're not like oh I'm hearing Marty McFly the entire time. Like it's his voice, but you you buy into Milo Thatch. Like you buy into that character. I really like that character. And he's a guy that's not this big, tough hero. He's just a dude. He's just a nerd. He's and... very lanky. Mondo and I observed that when they were looking at the murals underwater and he's trying to translate. I'm like, what kind of lung capacity does that man have that he can not only tread water underwater, but he can also focus enough and long enough to be able to read the inscriptions and then translate them all in one breath? Yeah, this guy's barely ever seen sunlight, much less been in, been swimming. 
<laughs> but to your point, before this film, I actually do think Michael J. Fox did have some experience doing animation. Well, he had done some voice work before because he did um, Chance the Dog in Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Yep, yep. Back really? In the I didn't know that. Yep. Yep, that's my actually that's actually my first Michael J. Fox experience. Before Back to the Future, before Yeah, it, mine too. It was Homeward Bound, the Incredible Journey. <laughs> he did that. Also Stuart Little. Oh, was he? Yes. Good. Wait, was he Stuart Little? Yeah. He was the voice of Stuart Little. Oh, you're oh, right. What are you? No. What? No. <laughs> you're blowing my mind. I've just a dump on your carpet. Wait, what? No, <laughs> I'm trying to convey like my disbelief. That was my first Michael J. Fox experience, and I didn't know who he was. Mm. I saw wow. Stuart Little way back in the day. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. How does that feel? That that was your first Michael J. Fox moment? Because I'm thinking like, oh yeah, you guys saw him in Homer Brown. Like, no, no, I saw him in Back to the Future first time. Nope, nope, apparently not. Wow, what the heck? Stuart's dad is House. Yep. I barely remember that movie. All I know is there's an RC sailboat and he takes control and then he's going to the sewers. Nathan Lane, good old Timon, does the voice of the cat, Snowbell. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, but we're talking about these actors and like we remember them, right? Like Mm -hmm. we know Michael J. Fox from these things and we're adults. I think one of the biggest things is. Back in 2001, when I was a kid, I didn't give two flying banana peels who voiced a character. Do banana peels fly? They do if you throw them. Man, we're going off the deep end here. <laughs> going off the deep end. We've been swimming in the deep end for the last Going half off of the rails on a crazy train. Where is the DJ crazy train when we need him? I'm telling you, man. Oh, maybe maybe this is a good place to take a break, and then we'll come in uh, on the flippy flip here and uh, discuss uh, the best moment and the worst moment. Have we done that yet? Nope. I don't think we have. We'll do best moment of the movie, worst moment of the movie, final thoughts, and planet score. All that still to come right after this brief commercial break here on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Don't go anywhere. This is IPC. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, 
guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? We are back, getting close to wrapping up our discussion of the story of Atlantis here on the IPC podcast. I'm Ben here with Jake. <laughs> I'm Ben. <laughs> wow. Ident- identity theft is not a joke, my friend. Just like just just glide through just that. Go. Be like, I'm Ben here with Zach, <laughs> Jake. And our good friend Mondo. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm Mondo. This is Zach, and that's Jake. You guys just listened to that commercial from the SWU. We're not doing that on IPC as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I I purposely do not ever want to listen to my impression of Chris Siegel. I I, I try to avoid that. I I hit the plus 30 seconds button when that commercial comes on. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had so much fun doing that. That oh, was I the bet. best. I bet. Easily. No, no doubt. Um, thank you to the people that help financially support this program. We've got some really awesome patrons like Jake and Joey, Rachel, Dan, Parker, and Carrie. If you're interested in becoming a patron on the program, visit us on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. There's a Become a Patron button there that gives you all the ins and outs of what you can do. RIPC is predominantly an audio file that's over on the Phantom Empire. However, we do record a video session as well. So if you want to get the immersive experience of the RIPC episodes, you can do that by becoming a patron of, uh, of the program. So be sure to go and check that out and check us out on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. If you want to find all the fun stuff that we do off the air, you can find out how to do that over there. All right. I am Zach. And across from me is Mondo. Across the country is Jake. And uh, a little further south from him is Ben. And guys, it's time to ask what the best moment was in this movie. What stood out to you the most over this last watch through, Jake? What was the best moment? Man, I think the thing that hit the most for me, because, um, I, I mean, it's no secret I love this whole movie front to back, but upon rewatch, I think when Milo was first uh, m- meeting Whitmore um, and just hearing Whitmore talk fondly of of his grandpa, um of uh thaddeus thatch and just being alongside him and and how he didn't believe him at first and 
and how they found the the journal and had to kiss him full on the mouth and uh that was a pretty funny scene but just hearing all of that and validating for milo that his grandpa was actually a, a bit of a hero and and he hadn't uh looked up to him in vain or anything like that and how now he has a chance and an opportunity to to bring his name back to the top again and to uh, give his name a legacy and and be part of that that whole scene was really cool to me and um i think i'm always a sucker for, for stories where somebody with resources or money is uh offering it to somebody out of the goodness of their heart to to help them achieve what they're trying to do and that's the really the goodness of his heart he lost a bet well i mean he you can tell there is heart there though you can tell that that he felt bad that Thaddeus died a broken man and and really I mean he says he he wants to to go to the pearly gates with a clear conscience but you can also tell there's some heart there too and I I don't know I really appreciated that whole scene and it really hit home for me uh, I think you just like John Mahoney that's your oh, John Mahoney you're 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 a Fraser guy and you just, you just liked hearing a scene that had John Mahoney in it I mean can you blame me no I really can't like I, I like every time I heard Whitmore, I was just picturing a, a dude in a in a corduroy uh, shirt with a dog falling behind him. Yep, I was waiting for a dog to pop up, but he never did. Yep, <laughs> the cat popped up over Milo's shoulder though. That was creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, the best moment for you from this film. Best moments. Um, I think when it all kind of comes together near the end, and you have the climax and the big battle scene. And, you know, you go and the, the the balloon is going up and they're flying around these things. And it's it's really visually stunning, but also like really dynamic and what's going on. And, you know, a lot of stuff happens in that short amount of time. And it's really, really well done. I think they, they did a, an incredible job with that. And and again, like it's ridiculous. They're in a volcano and there's a there's a balloon. <laughs> And this is supposed to be a a movie that I expected would be underwater, and then they're in the air. Like, it's just totally ironic and ridiculous, but I, I love it. Ben, you've got to be careful what words you say around Mr. Mondo here. He's about to have a heart attack. You know what? Every time I say certain words, like a word I said earlier that starts with an R, <laughs> I knew. As soon as I did, I'm like, oh, God, Mond Mondo's going to take that and run with it. And I'm I'm actually appreciating the fact that he's kept quiet. He hasn't said anything. He must be muting himself or something. I, I'm just assuming. Going... <laughs> he's he's building abs is what he's doing. Like oh there's this, there's this heavy breathing going on in the background. It's because he's just wheezing across from me. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give my best moment so that he has a chance to breathe for a second. And then uh, he'll 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 um, he'll round out this this uh, fabulous foursome of ours and uh, give us the worst moment right after that, and that'll segue into the worst moments of the film. So for me, um, the the best moment was probably the scene with the Leviathan. I think that was very visually stunning. I think Milo's revelation that that's a machine that's trying to guard the gateway to Atlantis the little escape pods that are armed with torpedoes. Like, keep in mind, this is a timepiece, and the movie's set in 1914. So this is like this is like escape pods 
armed with weapons. This is very advanced state-of-the-art technology, and they're trying to fight off something that's even more state-of-the-art than they are. And it was just, it was a really interesting sequence, and watching how everybody tried to maintain their composure during that was also really, really cool to see. And then the fact that people died from that sequence. You know, I think that's one of the other right. things that, that's really poignant about this film is there's loss of life that happens in this scene and in other scenes. People die. And that's kind of dark for a Disney film. You know, you lose somebody like Mufasa in The Lion King. One death will just, you know, screw you up for good because it's one really big, impactful death. But I think losing a lot of secondary, tertiary, no-name characters as well, but them honoring them the way that they did was like another really poignant part of this film in the sense that you had a big crew You've got a smaller crew now, and the movie itself is acknowledging the loss of life. So mm -hmm. I think that fight sequence with the Leviathan and then the ensuing funeral that comes right after it are some of the biggest, darkest, and, and deepest parts of this film. Yeah. Mark, over to you. Yeah, you know, that is a really good scene. Um, and I actually brought that up a few – a little while ago where yeah. it kind of happens really quick. You know, this, this movie – it, it's got some pacing issues. It does because you start off you start off normal pacing where you're getting to to know everybody mm -hmm. and getting to know Milo and what he's after and and his goals and his ambitions, and then you go straight to killing a bunch of people <laughs> in this yep. really big action scene. Yep, and then we're trapped in a tunnel. Um, yep. and but I think so. One of my 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 favorite one of my favorite parts of this movie was when Milo helps Kata. Is that her name? Kata. Kita. 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 Kata, Corey, whatever. Hakuna Matata. Uh, <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matatas. Huh. All Hakuna you're talking about. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, what was when Milo helps her start that bike up. Yeah. Be, and, and this is mm. why I think that's such a cool and powerful scene, because it... To me, that's the scene where you really understand just how – because you've always kind of known this has been a big obsession with Milo. Mm -hmm. But I feel that's the scene where you really see that he knows – he knows more about Atlantis than some of the Atlanteans. Yeah. yeah. that That's one of the things that actually kind of confuses me a little bit because – Kita was just a little girl when the tragedy struck. And over the course of, you know, 20, 30 years, the culture's just completely dissolved. Nobody knows no, that it's, anymore. It's been like four or 5,000 years. She just looks 30. Well, the crystals, they're life force, and it keeps them looking young. Then why does her dad look like a dinosaur? Maybe it's like 10,000 years old. Because <laughs> he's freaking it's, old. Species age differently. Whatever. Like, I get the whole, like, they age slower, and she's supposed to be, like, thousands of years old, and who knows how old her father is. I do I do have a problem with the whole, like, about they don't... <laughs> they don't know how to use, like, their big flying machines properly. Like, they all have crystals, but then... And it's not that complicated. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, put your hand here, and this works. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, after You're a thousand right. years, somebody would have figured that out. It, and it is... It's... I, and you can even draw some... 
maybe problematic like white savior type things in there. I don't want to get oh. political, but you know, oh. you know, it, it doesn't it, have it, to be that. Oh. I just it, on a base level plot like logic thing. That's what I call to attention to it. Like I said, I just liked it because that was the scene where I really start. I really felt, and I also really felt that maybe Milo was had done so much research and and loved and cherished this lost empire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you really have to laugh at that? He, he laughed at his own joke wow. so much that I almost feel like that's where you feel like maybe he's almost become an Atlantean. I mean, he stays oh. there. Oh, suddenly Pat Benatar makes sense now. <laughs> what is happening? We belong, we belong together in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. now, now we need a now we need a singing lobster to tell us about how Milo belongs under the sea. <laughs> under the sea, darling, it's bad to tell her it's wet. No, 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 no. We are not bringing up that innuendo from that song. <laughs> no, no, no. Get your mind out of the gutter. Oh my God, man! Now for my worst moment. Yes. Yeah. For this. Yes. And I actually brought this up to you while we were watching. Mm-hmm. So even though these mercenaries have guns, they're taking your God, your life force away from you. And no one even fights back. Yeah, that's pretty stupid. And and this is why I have a problem with that. Because when Milo and the crew first meet the Atlanteans, they were warriors. Yeah. They had right. weapons. And it, it kind of felt like they were trained to use them. And even Cootie, Cody, Kita, Kita, Cody. Wow. Wow. No, <laughs> that's Kita. not okay. Cody's the guy that delivers pizza at my apartment. So anyway, so when Klondike, whenever she, um, <laughs> Klondike, Jake has logged off. <laughs> hey, Milo, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Pretty much anything. If that's what it looks like. So even when she comes out of the water and they try to kidnap her, she fights back and it looks like she has some sort of some self-defense or at least some sort of um, some skills. Some So if she has that, I, I would assume other people do because she was not alone when she right. when she did that. She had, so, she had guards when they met the adventurers for the first time. Yeah. So they were just going to – and I mean granted there there is a little bit further on where it, certain things transpire. But I don't think they knew that was going to happen because at this right. point they don't even know how to read their own damn language. Right. So how do they you – know? so they're just going to let these people come in and take their life force away and be like, all right, we're dead now. All right, that's it. That's, uh, that's the end of Atlantis. Tell Gramps he's gone. <laughs> uh, hey, you ever figure out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? Don't matter. We're about to die. <laughs> oh, like that's just they were just okay they were like well we had a good run yeah i I wasn't really a fan of that either and the more you pointed that out to me the more pronounced it became actually because 
like this at the beginning of the movie they talk about how they were a warrior race and and i think the the atlantean king points that out at some point as well you know we were a proud warrior-like race and he was actually trying to use the life force as a weapon of war like these are warriors that is part of their culture that's part of their civilization and if you're losing your life force you're losing the very thing that's been keeping you alive all this time i would think that you would fight back a little bit and and that was one thing that that really baffled me and really kind of confused me the other thing that i was kind of disappointed about was that they just completely glossed over mole's storyline everybody else got a backstory and then you get to mole and it's like oh trust me you don't want to know i like that because it left it to your imagination it's like what could possibly be so bad but something bad happened to that guy i'll say bad i'll say this the second quote-unquote movie they say what it is in that Oh, well, see, I don't want to watch it now. Well, like, I'll say it's disappointing. That's pretty well, stupid. Of course it is. Sequels like that are always disappointing. But it wasn't even supposed to be a sequel. It was a television series that failed as a television series before it was even known to be a television series. <laughs> yeah. That's meta. That's really meta. It is wow. meta. Because I'm meta. Okay. You should have seen the awkward flex that he just gave right there. Oh, man. Ben, the worst moment in this film for you. Hmm. That's a tough question because I I don't have, like, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie, but I'm also not a hater of this movie. I'm not a Mondo. That's for dang sure. Um, But, uh, I mean, I, I liked a lot of stuff. There's some things I think maybe it relates to the whole, you know, I don't know if there's a specific moment, but it definitely relates to kind of the whole, like, mythology of the the Atlanteans and then Milo like coming in and just immediately figuring it all out for them like you know it 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you know like they don't know how to do their you know flying machines or anything like that like it's all just him and i think it would have it, it would have been better telegraphed just like if he had something or it just was clearer on like why they couldn't figure it out after thousands of years. If they'd been down there 10 years, you know, that's maybe more understandable. A few thousand years, you got time to figure this stuff out, guys, and you didn't, all right? And makes them look stupid. I don't know, but, you know, it, it does lead to some pretty cool stuff. And I like, I mean, the whole visuals of Atlantis is incredible. Obviously, they did a lot of research and stuff in trying to make this all work and you know, making it really visually spectacular. Uh, I, I will say this. I think I prefer um, Aquaman's Atlantis to this Atlantis. Well, it's actually underwater. This is just like cave. It, <laughs> cave. It, 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 <laughs> Disney's cave. This isn't, this isn't Atlantis. This is cave. <laughs> it's cave, a cave. The lost empire. Oh, man. Um, Jake, I know you think fondly of this movie but do you have anything about it that you would be like eh? i i do love this movie i am not above being corrected though uh i i do see the flaw with them not fighting back that's pretty stupid um so i'm gonna echo that as as my negative moment just because i have such a hard time thinking of something negative about this movie that i don't like and that that is a pretty glaring problem and and uh i hadn't really thought of that before so 
Um, thanks for pointing that out. And uh, <laughs> ruining the movie for me, Mondo. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably the worst moment. Okay, well, I guess um, we're getting pretty close to the uh, the end of our time here, so we always go towards our um, final thoughts on our planet scores. But Ben, I have to request edit access from you because you didn't give those to me when you sent us the show notes earlier. Say what now? I can't put any numbers where we put our planet scores. What? I it said What? Re- How dare I? It said request edit access and I'm like, "Ben, you turd, I always have edit access." Wow, he called you a turd. What are you going to do about that? Mhm. I don't, I don't you gonna, know. You going to call me a name back? You Well, it's what? not my fault that Google decided to change the Google Docs interface and now I'm still trying to relearn it. So, give me a break. Only if it's a Kit Kat bar. Give me a break. Give me a... No, you're the one that does that. You're the one that does that. I can't step on your... All right, I got like 10 minutes left. Let's let's wrap this, let's, let's let's, wrap this let's crap up. Let's do this. Okay, Ben, lead us off then. Final thoughts and planet score for Atlantis the Lost Empire. All right, so like I said, I I enjoyed this movie. I liked it a lot. It's far from my favorite Disney movie. I, I maybe was a little bit disappointed by it just because it wasn't what I was expecting. But, you know, that's on me. And I think there's a lot of going for this movie, and I think it, it is largely a misunderstood movie. I think you've you got to give it its, its rightful thing. And I, I really I liked a lot of it. I mean, I love the performances. Like I said, Michael J. Fox is great. Leonard Nimoy is in this movie. He's great. Like, he's the king. It's fantastic. Um, James Garner, like, all these, like, incredible actors, you know, providing voice for this. And they blend so well, and the animation is is beautiful. It's a great story, and it's a great, it's a very, in the classic Disney style, a very moral story about, you know, just, hey, uh, don't sell people out, and don't don't kill people for money. That's 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 not cool. And they, they, they do that very well in this story, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I don't know, you're not selling me on Milo's Return, you know, I might have watched it if it hadn't been for this discussion, but I think I'm going to skip it now. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed this one for what it is. I'm going to give it. Hmm, I'm going to give it a seven point five. Okay, alrighty, uh, Jake. I believe you're up. Yeah, well, like I said before, I've always loved this movie. I could honestly talk about it for hours and hours. Just everything I love about it, why, uh, why I love it, um, and. You know, I, I, like I said, I'm open to criticism about the movie, obviously. There, I mean, okay, I, I maybe was over-exaggerating when I said this was a perfect movie. I know movie is perfect. And this one has some problems, maybe. But do I think they're so glaring that it doesn't, that it takes away from my enjoyment of the overall film? No. And it's, it's one of those movies that kind of hits me perfect. And I understand that may not be the same for everybody, obviously, you know, after the discussion tonight i can see that for sure um john favreau's chef movie is one that hits me perfectly in every single way and i i think atlantis is one of those two for whatever reason um but i i hold this movie in high regard it's one of my childhood favorites and one of my adulthood favorites too so i'm gonna give this one a nine dang noise dang okay uh mr mondo so I feel like Atlantis, The Lost Empire, is a film that... It is a film. It is definitely a film. It is a, it is a film. 
It's a feature-length film. It is a feature-length film. Okay, don't say length around Mondial. (laughs) (laughs) Has more length than it needs. Oh. No, not... So I feel like Atlantis The Lost Empire does live up to its name in one regard. And that it is a journey. And with that, you know, people get different things out of journeys. And for those that are looking for this movie or that are looking for a movie that they haven't watched, they may find this movie buried in the sea of other movies that mm-hmm. that have come out before and have kind of made this a almost forgotten film. Yeah. That being said, not all journeys end with a positive outcome. And I feel like at least with my journey with this film, that's how I came. My kid did come up a little empty handed. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and give this film a 6.5. Oh, Jake's going into cardiac arrest. (laughs) Maybe you don't need that McFlurry then, buddy. Oh, man. Telling you. Um, So I didn't really watch this movie as a kid. I really don't have much of a childhood attached to it. I think I watched it once in the mid-2000s and then watched it again like a year ago with my family. And... um, I'm of the opinion that this is lost in the collection of Disney films for good reason. Because there are so many other Disney films out there that are just much more whimsical and relatable and adventurous, just as adventurous and probably a lot more enjoyable than the enjoyment that I got out of Atlantis. That's not to say that it's a bad film. It just doesn't resonate with me the way it does with Jake and maybe some other people. And I I have a hard time giving this movie a high rating because I can't rate it purely on nostalgic purposes. I have no nostalgia attached to it. I like the cast. I like the premise. I like the underwater adventure. But I don't feel like it was executed the way that it could have been. I feel like there were certain storylines that could have been explored more or certain elements of the story that could have been just better explained or expounded upon. Like, I guess I didn't even realize that there was so much history rooted behind Atlantis. Like, I literally thought that Kida grew up and it was like 30 or 40 years had passed since this travesty occurred. I didn't I didn't put two and two together to think that it's been millennia like that's just it's not something that gets covered very well and so there's stuff like that there's stuff like the the hot air balloon and the volcano like yeah it's a great set for a fight scene but it just it 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 looks weird to me there there's some aesthetics on the island itself that also feel more like tarzan and journey to the center of the earth than it does its own film so I just I feel like it borrows from a lot of stuff rather than trying to stand on its own two feet. And uh, I like Tarzan. I like Lion King. I like Cinderella probably more than I like Atlantis Lost Empire. And to your point, I even pointed out really early on in this film how some of the character models Mm-hmm. were reminiscent of movies like Tarzan. Yes, and Tarzan came out in 1999, and this movie came out in 2001. So they're pretty similar as far as their 
human characterizations are drawn. Like there's there's not a whole lot of discrepancy in there. Um, but I I'm pretty I'm pretty close to where you're at, Mondo. I think I gave Great Mouse Detective a seven last week, and I said in the group chat that this is probably going to be the lowest rated um, film out of the four that we're doing in this arc. So, just to make you laugh, Mondo, I'm giving this a 6.9. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I thought I was going to be the the most negative person on this show, and I was I was dead wrong. No, no, the I liked Great Mouse Detective more. I'm definitely going to like Treasure Planet. What? I'm... No, no, this. Okay, here's the thing. This much better than Mount Great Mouse Detective. I think. Yeah. Nope. One hundred. I like. Nope. See, I've got more nostalgia attached to Great Mouse Detective than I do to uh, to Atlantis. So I feel like take your nostalgia glasses off. See, that's the thing, though. I think part of our rating system for these underrated Disney movies may be partially at- attached to how much or how little nostalgia we have associated with it. I, I think whenever you, I think whenever you slap the term underrated to anything mm-hmm. i think that alone is a pretty big indicator that you are attaching something maybe like nostalgia or even much more personal attachment to a film than just the film itself well i know that that's probably going to be the case with uh with one movie towards the end of this story arc but we're not talking about that movie tonight and we're getting crunched for time so Anybody that's listening live, go ahead and, and shoot us your Planet Score rating out of 10 on the chat here on channel1138.com. And while you're doing that, we will tally it up while we're presenting to you tonight's quote of the night. We were talking about character development earlier, how Audrey gets a story, Sweet gets a story, Milo gets a story. And they're all talking about those stories together when they're camping out just before they make it into Atlantis. And I thought that was good characterization i thought that was some good story development i wish we had gotten more about mole but um i feel like as far as quotes go as far as what kind of quotes would be applicable from this movie that we could play for you guys tonight that seemed like the most logical answer so without further ado i'm gonna shut up and let you guys have a listen to tonight's quote of the night for the appetizer caesar salad that's cargo and your inner crank I want to test cargo. Knock yourself out. There you go, Milo. Put some meat on them bones. Thanks, Cookie. That looks greasier than usual. You like it? We'll have some more. Just as skinny if you turn sideways and stick out your tongue, you look like a zipper. You know, we've been pretty tough on the kid. What do you say we cut him some slack? Yeah, you're right. Hey, Milo, why don't you come sit with us? Really? You don't mind? Nah, park it here. Gee, this is great. I mean, you know, it's an honor to be included in your... (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) I could not resist. Hey, Milo, don't you ever close that book? Yeah, you must have read it a dozen times by now. I know, but this, this doesn't make any sense. See, in this passage here, the shepherd seems to be leading up to something. He calls it the heart of Atlantis. It could be the power source the legends refer to, but, th- but then it just, it cuts off. It's almost like there's a missing page. Kid, relax. We don't get paid overtime. I know, I know. Sometimes I get a little carried away. 
But hey, you know, that's what this is all about, right? I mean, discovery, teamwork, adventure. Unless maybe you're just in it for the money. 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 I'm gonna say money. <sighs> well, I guess I set myself up for that one. Mm. Oh, something wrong with your neck? Oh, yeah. I must have hurt it when. Ah. Better? Yeah. Hey, I was learning how to do that. An Arapaho medicine man. Get out of here. Born and raised with him. My father was an army medic. He settled down in the Kansas Territory after he met my mother. No kidding. Nope. I got a sheepskin from Howard U and a bearskin from old Iron Cloud. Halfway through medical school, I was drafted. One day, I'm studying gross anatomy in the classroom. The next, I'm sewing up Rough Riders on San Juan Hill. Main course. I couldn't uh, eat another bite. I'm not don't you make my me Oh, don't you worry. It'll keep and keep and keep. Thank God I lost my sense of taste years ago. Aren't you going to pitch up to your tent? Uh, I did. I guess I'm still a little rusty at this. I haven't gone camping since, well, since the last time my grandpa took me. I never got to meet your grandfather. What was he like? Where do you start? He was like a father to me, really. My parents died when I was a little kid, and he took me in. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just thinking. One time when, when I was eight, we were hiking along this stream. And I saw something shining in the water. It was a genuine arrowhead. Well, you'd think I'd found a lost civilization the way Grandpa carried on about it. It wasn't until I was older that I realized that the arrowhead was just some compressed shale mixed with zinc pyrite that had fractured into a nice isolated triangulate. <laughs> that is so cute. Say, Audrey, uh, no, no offense, but how did a teenager become the chief mechanic of a multi-million dollar expedition? Well, I took this job when my dad retired. But the funny thing was, he always wanted sons, right? One to run his machine shop, and the other to be middleweight boxing champion. But he got my sister and me instead. So, wh what happened to your sister? She's 24, I know, with a shot at the title next month. Anyway, I'm saving up so my puppy and I can open another shop. Forget your jammies, Mrs. Packard? I sleep in the nude. You're gonna want a pair of these. She sleepwalks. Well, as far as me goes, I just like to blow things up. Come on, Benny. Tell the kid the truth. My family owned a flower shop. We would sell roses, carnation, baby's breath, you name it. One day, I'm making about three dozen corsages for this pram. You know, the one they put on their wrist. And everybody, they come. Where is it? When is it? Does it match my dress? It's a nightmare. Anyway... I guess there was this leak next door of gas or what. Boom! No more Chinese laundry. Blew me right through the front window. It was like a sign from God. I found myself that boom. What's Mole's story? Trust me on this one. You don't want to know. Audrey, don't tell it. You shouldn't have told me, but you did. And now I'm telling you, you don't want to know. All right, there's our quote of the night, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and slide right into our next segment as well because we're uh, cutting it close on the on the time frames again. That's my fault because we started the movie a little bit later than we were supposed to. And You're darn right it's your fault. Ended up cutting into our recording time, so I take full responsibility for that. But if you're listening live, folks, time to get out your hashtags and put them in the chat. If you're not listening live, you're listening on one of our many podcasting platforms, then use social media 
and hit us up with that hashtag. Put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and anything else that can carry a hashtag. It's time for another round of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 All right, guys, we saw some really interesting sea creatures during one of the uh, communal eating sessions on... Oh, I know where this is going. Does anybody think one of those squid-like, fish-like, lobster-like type creatures would be good barbecued? Well, hell yeah. If it's in the ocean, if it swims, it's good eating, in my opinion. See, that's that's the Gulf Coast talking right there. That's for sure. I live across the street from the water, man. If, If it swims, it swims into my mouth. Oh, God. Ugh. I think so. See, Mondo is rubbing off on me subconsciously. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we got an 8 out of 10 from somebody in the audience. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, keep, keep sending stuff in, folks. I don't know. I, I'm i like Finding Nemo. Fish are friends, not food. I, I don't really eat fish. If and to, food. If, and food. I, I can be friends with someone and eat them. If I go to a seafood restaurant, I am the little bitch that orders chicken off of the menu. The one thing of chicken that they've got on the menu is the one thing that I order. And they're like, you know, we're really known for our trout or our mahi or something like that. And I'm like, I don't care. I want the chicken. Um, chicken of the sea. Oh, gosh. I saw that coming, and I set you set you up for it. I will say, however, that one creature that had all the multiple eyes, and they're like, yeah, eat the head. That's where the nutrients are. I was like – is that meant to be an innuendo or is that supposed to be like an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom kind of thing where they're talking about eating the monkey brains or something like that? Like, I I couldn't really decipher what they were trying to say in that sequence, but I, I, I find it interesting that they felt like that was something that needed to be included in the film was that communal eating session where you're experiencing Atlantean food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people got to eat. They've been down there for thousands of years in a freaking cave eat the firefly uh, apparently they have sunlight Ugh. and oxygen even though they've been in a cave for thousands of years just throwing that out there just it, throwing it out there hey if if you're really hungry you can have the fireflies they're a light snack how does that water that water falls off that cliff and then it comes back how does it does it recirculate what's going on there? i got your light snack joke you're just yeah it, like everybody's completely ignoring me now it's too, <laughs> you don't even care hey light even, light snack you don't even care that i'm making funny jokes at this hour of okay night. mr Lightbeer, funny prove it <laughs> mr light beer <laughs> that's what mondo's having tonight <laughs> i'm having miller Beer. You're having ultra light beers, what you're having. Mondo, go change your Twitter handle to Mr. Lightbeer. <laughs> if somebody else doesn't already have it. Oh, man. I'm Mr. Seltzer. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Like, the door of. Yes, I like a Bud Light Seltzer. The door of his fridge is like White Claws and Bud Light Seltzers. Like, that's it. Wow, is, is, you got Post Malone in, in, in your house? Is he hanging out with you guys? Hey, fun fact I actually went to school with Post Malone. No, really? What? Yeah. Why are you just now telling this story? Okay, I didn't share a class with him or anything, but 
when when he was living in the Dallas Fort Worth area, he went to the same junior college that I went to. And based wow. on based on the timeline of how things laid out, I'm pretty sure we were both there in 2013. That's wow. crazy. So, I uh, he he ended up Mr. Beerbongs and Bentleys and here I am hosting episode 290 of my podcast. I don't know. I think you got the better end of that deal. The dude has over a hundred million dollars net worth. Okay, fair enough. If if I had to choose between a hundred million dollars net worth and this podcast, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, you'd you'd still have Mondo as a best friend because because you'd have all the Bud Light seltzers you could drink for life. That's also true. I've actually discovered a new drink that I really like called High Noon. Oh, really? Well, it's almost high midnight, so close <laughs> enough, right? For now. <laughs> For now. Oh man. All right. Guys, let's say our good nights. It's almost it's almost it's probably past Jake's bedtime. Mondo So long farewell <laughs> of good night. I hate to go and leave this pretty sight. Actually, I'm not going to be leaving this pretty sight. I've got Mondo for the whole rest of the night. And you can have him. No offense, Mondo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His jaw just dropped. You know what? There's words I want to say. One of them starts with an F. And the other one starts with a Y. <laughs> I'll let you figure out what those words are. <laughs> it's called frozen yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Next okay. time I come into Dallas uh, on, on the brink of death, uh, Mondo's just going to leave me on the side of the road. Mm. Oh, man, you were on the brink of death that one time that he picked you up. You had to, like, yeah, you oh, he death. saved my life. Mondo saved my life legitimately. <laughs> have you heard the whole story about that? I feel like it's a story that's going to have to happen off the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll tell it next time, or maybe we won't because uh, it's kind of not. embarrassing. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing. That is true. So maybe it's better if we just wrap the show. Mondo, I know that you were just visiting because of the events that we've got going on tomorrow, but thanks for being willing to hop on the show with me. It was a lot of fun podcasting with you in the room too. That was that was cool. It is. It does add. You know, as you mentioned, I podcasted for many years. Um, I say many years, like I'm some 80 year old dude, but long time for, for three or four years, I did that and they were fun years and something that about podcasting that I always felt, I don't know, kind of left me a little, I, I, none of it ever made me feel empty or unhappy, but something that I always wished was I could look over and have some sort of interaction with somebody next to me. Yeah. You know, when I was doing these podcasts before, there may have been five, six, seven people on the on the show. Yeah. But I'm in a room by myself. Exactly. Yeah. And that to a point, sometimes that just gets extremely I don't know, it gets weird because you can't feed off of one another and you can't do anything with body language or anything yep. like that. Yep. Um you know, Jedi Pod, when we did that a couple of years ago, was the first time, I believe. No, because I remember when I would do stuff with Chris and Michelle at, at their apartment. And, and when I would do those shows, that those were the first times I'd actually been in a room with people. Mm-hmm. Eat off of that and have those moments. Yep. Um, it really adds, I feel, not only to the experience of podcasting, but it, it adds to what the listener is going to get out of 
Oh, for sure. Like, I've been getting text updates all night from somebody being like, you guys are killing me. Like, literally, I'm going to I'm going to read my text <laughs> of what from when we were when we were vibing early on in the show and we were like just crushing it. Like, uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, two laughing face emojis. Y'all are killing me. Next message. I'm choking on animal crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of feedback we like to hear. Oh, for sure. It like it, it is, you know, I'm I, you know, as as a funny man, spit takes are always funny, but you can make someone choke on a cracker. <laughs> that's that, the ticket right there. That's how you know. That's how you know you've made it, boy. But no, thank you for having me. I, I I've, I've enjoyed the the, the last 90 minutes or however long this has gone on. And I think it's like four hours, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. <laughs> no, this isn't an old episode of Wasteland. We're going we're gonna to tie this off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jake, I'm, I'm going to let you go get your McFlurry, but before we do that, where can the folks at home keep up with you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jake W. Damon or on Twitter at Jake Damon. Alrighty, and Ben, I know you gotta you gotta hop off pretty soon too. So where can where can the folks find uh, the stuff that you're up to when it's not IPC related? <laughs> yes, um, so you can find me at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter if you if you want to come yell at me about something because people like to do that these days. Um, so and that happens. Um, they they sometimes do it frequently. Anyway. But uh, also check out the Star Wars Underworld. We got the Star Wars Underworld podcast. We got other stuff going on. There's not a whole lot of Star Wars news happening, but uh, you know we've always got some interesting stuff happening over there and, and some tangents and, and good stuff. I'm looking forward to the future. And then Culture Slate, which is my newest project, and a little bit of everything over there. Kind of similar to IPC, and we're kind of doing all the franchises, and it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, go go check them out at Culture Slate at the SWU. StarWarsInterworld.com is where you can find IPC episodes, episodes of Star Wars World Podcast, all the latest Star Wars news, all that stuff, and pretty much everything that I do. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun, guys. It has been a lot of fun. And you can find IPC episodes on our hosting platform, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And be sure to go check out our newest partners over at the Fandom Empire for all of the stuff that they're doing related to Halloween and other fandom-related content. They are also the hosting platform of our new extension program, RIPC. So go follow the Phantom Empire and look at phantomempire.net to be able to find uh, information about our R-rated extension program. I can be found at Zach the Voice on Twitter and Zach.TheVoice, Z-A-C-H, Zach the Voice, Zach.TheVoice on Twitter and Instagram. And go find our socials at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But that's going to do it. For tonight's episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, episode 290 is now officially in the books. We're one step closer to our 300th episode. For Mondo and Jake and Ben, I'm Zach. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue this story arc of underrated Disney classics. But until that time comes around, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought. Courage begins by trusting oneself. And we trust that we're going to see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.
Rocket man burning on the fuse up ever long. That is not the words. <laughs> Burn is out, burning out his heels up here alone. That is the words, my friend. Wow. How dare you blaspheme Elton John in my presence? <laughs> man, I'm really not feeling the love tonight. <laughs> All right, guys, the show has ended before it began. That's good. Mondo, Mondo, this is what what you have to bear. (laughs) Good Lord. Let's let's crocodile rock and roll. (laughs) All right, I'm just going to bring this puppy in, and we're going to get this going before I lose my... Oh, Mondo, I'm scared. Hold me closer. No, 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 nothing. Don't do anything over there, guys. Keep it, keep it, keep it clean. Keep it clean and uh, family friendly. Mm. Or if you do, just keep it quiet. I don't want to hear it. I'll be as quiet as a candle with the wind. Uh, how long were you holding on to that one, God? <laughs> and if I do start, you could just go. The bitch is back. <laughs> <laughs>